friends, welcome back to another episode of the Film Alchemist Podcast, the show where we look at movies we love, break them apart, to find out what gives them their magic. I'm your host, Josh Griffey, joined as always by my friend, co-host, and lactating bovine head, Alex Dandino. Visual cue, you'll see it. If you go yeah, to the that's YouTube. gonna make sense. <laughs> that's gonna make sense. Believe me. All right, guys. Uh, if you're here with us tonight, we'd like to start with a quick thank you and a Oop. little business before we get to tonight's awesome show. Uh, guys, it's official. We now are on Patreon. For those of you who have joined us over there, thank you so much, guys. For as little as a dollar a month, you can join our Patreon community. Get in with us on some discords and some zooms. For a couple extra dollars, you can begin to start curating the show. Uh, with movies that you want to hear us we're talk about. We're gonna very do, cool. Yeah, we're going to do watch-alongs. We're going to do some watch parties. Full movie-length commentaries. We have a lot of really fun stuff. We actually had a listener suggest we might be doing a deep dive on Black Mirror soon. Uh, episode by episode. So we have a lot of really fun stuff in the works over there, guys. So again, patreon.com slash Pod. You can find us there, and we appreciate all the support that you guys have been giving us. Thank you. Uh, for a little bit extra, you can help us grow this community uh, to be bigger and better and more fun for all of us. So thank you again for those of you who have done that. Please take a second and leave a rating and review for the show wherever you happen to find us, especially if that be Apple Podcast app. Uh, that's a quick, easy, free way to help the show a lot. Five star sentence or two on why you like spending time with us helps us defeat the algorithmic uh, lactating gods of the internet so that we can ascend i'm trying out the ascend it's very it's very fantasy metal i like it uh <laughs> guys fantasy. you can find us on all the social media you're on you can subscribe to our youtube channel where you can see video versions of most of our podcasts and some other stuff we're working on over there that is film alchemist that's the name of the channel over on youtube you can also email the show film alchemist pod at gmail.com with suggestions for movies you would love to hear us discuss in the future, or if you just want to talk with us, man, that's a great way to get a hold of us. Uh, thank you. All right. That's enough business. Um, There's a chance that you guys are going to be like, man, I want the business to keep going. I'm not prepared. Do you have any more business? Do you want to do another nine-minute Manscaped commercial? Because <laughs> I'm unprepared for uh, the film we're about to I'm not dive sure into and anyone's prepared. Yeah, and I don't want to – I'm not one to casually say this is not for the faint of heart, but this one I feel like uh, if you're not ready for what you're walking into, as I wasn't, uh, this one's a lot. So tonight is part of our The Pod Visits Japan in the early 2000s curation from our friend Anthony over on Patreon. Uh, tonight we're discussing Gozu. Alex, opening thoughts on Gozu. <laughs> wow, you're just jumping right in. Uh, yeah, so 2003, Takashi McKay. I think this might be our first Takashi McKay movie we've ever done on the pod, by the way. Is that possible? No, did oh we do God. audition Yeah, we already? haven't gotten to audition yet. Oh, That's the one I figured would be first, yeah. Um, yeah, so... <laughs> Buckle in, buckaroo! Strap in. Um... Gozu is really fascinating, man. Like, I'm not That's sure a word for it. <laughs> I've I'm not sure I've ever seen a movie quite like this. Um Oh no, that's a goddamn film alchemist guarantee. Uh <laughs> you have never seen a movie quite like Gozu. <laughs> Gozu is Gozu exists in this universe where 
storytelling takes place for about five minutes at a time. Like it's like these five minute increments of storytelling, none of which like necessarily add up. Like I can tell you one story at the very beginning actually pans out to the very end, but like it takes a huge detour in the middle for pretty much the entire movie (laughs) until we actually get to that. It's, it's fascinating. This is almost the the pornographic version of a Studio Ghibli film, <laughs> right? Because this is the difference between it's it's the difference. I have this debate with people sometimes, right? That is a Ghibli way to put it. versus Pixar, right? Right. And Pixar makes amazing movies. I'm not here to like downgrade one of them, right? right. The difference with the Ghibli movie is they are not so regimented in how they tell stories, right? right. They the narrative always takes the back seat to just emotion and magic, right? So just sit in this world of magic and do vignettes. And that's the wonderful thing of a Ghibli film is you never quite know exactly what you're in for or where it's going. Right. Gozu is, again, it's kind of the titillating version of that where they set us up as this is a Yakuza film, right? This is going to be some kind of Yakuza power struggle film, right? right. Uh, this guy wants to take out an old boss. This guy who keeps calling him brother is, you know, set to betray him. And that ends abruptly. And then nothing else in the rest of the movie has any narrative cohesion. It is as if the sun has disappeared and we've lost gravitational pull. Abruptly everything comes apart in front of our eyes. Abruptly is a fascinating word choice for how this how this <laughs> section of the, the movie The moment ends. he shoulder checks that dude as he's about to shoot the lady. All narrative stops dead in its tracks. I mean, this movie, like, before the actual, like, title of the movie comes up, this movie Mm -hmm. starts with a man fucking spiking a chihuahua on the ground. It's... Yeah, an immediate dropping of a letter grade from me if you just casually murder dogs you can kill humans in your like movie. a you start full killing blown dogs. like like and completely unprompted too like it's a weird because he says that thing and this is the like i was trying to figure this out why he says right before uh he's he's saying it's fake or he's saying like anything i'm telling so here's how it plays out right so they're so having bizarre. like a boss meeting and he says what i'm about to tell you is a joke don't take it seriously right that's what it is. Okay, and then he goes, hey, did you see the dog outside? Yeah. All right, they all go and look. It's a little fucking chihuahua. Right. And there is this weird kind of dynamic that I think's trying to give us a foreshadowing of the movie, right? Where you see this little dog. It's a Yakuza attack dog. What? Right. And it's a slow push in. And this really ominous music where you're like, something is wrong. Something's not here. So even as we're told it's a joke and don't take it seriously... The tension is building, and you are taking it very seriously. And then I believe the line he says is, you've got to get it before it gets you. Runs outside and spikes it on the ground, whips it around as if it is a hammer toss in some, the Olympics. Some form of pinata. Boom! Right into the, the glass, right? And there's mm-hmm. this great shot where blood is coming down and mask his face. But again, fucking stop using dogs as murder props. I fucking hate that. Right. I'm not a fan. Uh, Even in a movie as strange as this, that is full of so many perversions. But it's that's the one I don't like. But it's a fast. But here's like that is the punctuation mark on the end of like what I think actually the line you said is a really fascinating beat. 
when you think about the context of the movie, because like for him to say, like, you got to get it before it gets you. Listen, this movie got me far before I could even get it. Like, we're still trying. We're talking about it now. I still don't get it. But like within the context of like how you receive this film, that is a very relevant statement to me and how you watch this movie, because we're constantly trying to catch up in the plot. Like, and look, I'm not saying there necessarily even is one. It's literally like we take a stop off in Wonderland for literally the bulk of the movie. But that's because we're not supposed to figure out what's going on until another shocking thing happens visually. Like this is something that I think Japanese filmmakers understand better than any American filmmaker does. And this is why I think great horror filmmakers in America work very well and work often and are lauded for their sensibilities because something Japanese filmmakers understand, like we were talking about with studio Ghibli is that this is a visual medium. Films mm -hmm. are a visual medium. It is not about look the Mike Lee's of the world. And I love Mike Lee. I love the Duplass brothers. I love that indie vibe. Like there's some great movies that have come out of that. There's some all timers, but this is a visual medium and Japanese filmmakers, particularly Takashi McKay understand first and foremost, that what will get you, what should, what will get your ass in the seat. And more to the point, what you'll get your eyeballs glued to the screen is to see something shocking. And yeah. that is, that is this movie. That is every Takashi Miike movie in spades, but this movie particularly, like I stopped caring halfway through because I was just like, not about the movie, but just like, I don't really care that I don't understand where what's going on because I'm so just like every five minutes, I'm my fucking hair gets blown back by something. Yeah. Well, they, they set it up nicely. Right. Because as we're driving out of town, there's this paranoia beat, right? Yeah. Which is and great. So Osaki, I think is the brother. Ozaki. Ozaki. And in Minami. Manami. Manami right? so is they're the, heading out of Manami town. Manami is the main brother. Zaki yeah, is the Yeah, and Osaki saying, pull over. He kicks the seat, almost causes a wreck. He jumps out with his gun, right? He's so paranoid. Again, he thinks it's the attack dog. Right. It's a normal car. When he p runs up to the car with his gun. What the fuck? It's a smiling lady with a nosebleed. Yeah. And the brother tackles him, right? So there is this paranoia beat that... I think become became me for the first half of this film, totally. right? Because totally. So then we find out, oh, he killed his fucking brother. He was taking him to this place to set him up in the first place, but accidentally killed him, and now he's torn. Then we drive and we hit, you know, this kind of symbolic river sticks, right? He's just driving down a made road, and all of a sudden, there's no more road and no more bridge. Uh, he comes back to the car. The eyes are wide open. So then I'm like, all right, was that lady with the nosebleed heading to the river sticks as well? Is the the town that we end up in where everyone's constantly repeating and acting very strange? Are these ghosts or citizens of hell? So I spent the first half of this movie taking every fucking strange context clue in trying to fucking world strongest man bend this into a, aha, this is a streamlined visual visual narrative that i absolutely yes. figured out and eventually i think it was just you know maybe when that lady just starts spraying breast milk everywhere or somewhere in this vicinity no that's exactly what it was for me i just kind of leaned back and i said oh my god this is never gonna click and i i don't know how much of this because this is listed as a horror comedy i don't think this movie is exceptionally comedic very often right there's a I lot of, a it's theater of the absurd. horrific like, yes yeah, so i don't know how much of it is just 
lost in translation and this and that. But it, it was a movie that absolutely broke me. And once you just sit back and just take it in, there is a a captivating Lynch-like mentality to the film, right? Yeah, it feels very manic. There's a lot of this, like, really... There's a lot of very maniacal moments like the lady who like the like the lady runs the hotel and her husband where she like beats the shit out of him yeah. I, so that gave me texas chainsaw massacre vibes that scene yeah if I'm honest. but i literally it was another one of those things was like what is happening in this movie like in the it's fast like the dialogue and look i I watch every movie with subtitles, by the way. Like, I watch, yeah, like, same. I, you know, I, I watch closed captioning because we have a kid. So that's just like part yep. of our life. Once you, once your kid goes to sleep, the volume has to be. Yeah, has watched. to be like a seven, <laughs> which means the closed captioning goes on. <laughs> yeah. We've, we've toyed with 11 at this point, but, you know, yeah. seven's like, you know. I'm not going to be the dad walking around with like the fucking massive Bluetooth headset that no. I have to charge. So I was just like, all right, I'm just reading movies from now yeah, on. Which is fine. That's my life. <laughs> so I don't have a problem with subtitles or anything like that. But like even the dialogue in this movie, I was sitting there just like nothing's really adding up like. The through lines that I normally get from dialogue even are still not happening. Like nothing, like every interaction um, Minami had in this movie with other characters besides Azaki, to me, I'm just like, this is so absurd. Like there's nothing yeah. about any interaction that's like uniting. Even when he goes back to places, like he gets sick at that restaurant where they take away Azaki's body. He goes back and that guy is still saying the same thing, which is interesting because also the um, this is a really fascinating thing about Japanese movies, too, is um, because of like the some of the influences from like Western movies and that kind of thing. The dialogue is um, subtitled as it would have been as like so like there's the guy, the older guy in the restaurant is like saying it with a, like a twang like ain't for nothing. Yeah, like. And that's a really fascinating thing to read because like I'm listening to the accent. I'm like, is that how they, is that how someone who is a native speaker would hear it in their, like the way I hear like a Texas or a Southern, a Texan or a Southern accent. I'm like, is that the accent for a, you know, the equivalent of a Texan or a Southern person in Japan? Like it was a fascinating thing for me. Like I, I, they're rocking. I fucking love that. Like that part, I was like, this is very cool, but yeah, there's, yeah, this know. is the one bit that you could say maybe this is where the comedic starts, right? Because then it when he the brother's eyes wake up and then he's got the sunglasses. I'm like, oh my god, we're doing weekend at Gozu's. <laughs> yes, you know what I mean. Yes, absolutely. And then there's this absurdity of them repeating, and he just gets free food. He just starts eating while the guy's staring. I'm like, Shut all right, down. we're do yeah, we're doing like a bit right now. Okay, yeah. we're doing some kind of bit. The body disappears. And I was like, all right, is this Dio Bleak? Like, I just kept trying to find, like, any anchor, right? Where I was right. like, can I just find anything to latch on to? And, yeah, when you get to the hotel, the, the brother and sister who run the hotel become easily the best part of the movie. Yeah. Because the strange thing is, I think this film will absolutely, by most, and fairly so, will be remembered for Gozu. Yes. Will be remembered for Breast Milk. Will be remembered for that whatever the fuck happens in the last bit of the film right yes these are big graphic images right like they're just they're they're jaw-dropping images and 
I think, again, this this gets back into the, you start playing at the edges, right? And what I love about Mike is that he's one of those guys who is effortlessly strange. David Lynch has this. Some of my favorite directors who are effortlessly strange. Yeah. Because there's nothing worse than a movie to me where a director is trying to show you he's strange. Yeah. Well, and it doesn't work. It's forced. It's and a it, put on. It, then it becomes like a, a road stop or a roadside film, right? You're like, what the fuck is this? Mike, and this it's the thing where it's, it's perverse and titillating and gross and weird, but it doesn't – it almost doesn't feel like that's the purpose, right? There is a a character building and sadness to the this brother and sister, right? Because the, the two moments, right? So when she comes in and he's in the tub mm-hmm. and she's just like, you know – Oh, like sees his. Apparently, he has a giant Frankenstein. Apparently, he's just he's just yeah. packing heat. The breast Even milk lady was off x amount to circumcise him. The breast milk lady was very complimentary. Yeah, and so is the other lady at the end, right? Or yes, brother at the end. But it, yeah, very complimentary to what's going on, and she's just like, "Look, I can do this breast milk trick," and it's running down her legs. And but there's a moment where she just keeps saying, "Like, hey, I would offer this to you, and I will offer this in a bath and this breast milk." And he's like, no, ew, gross. And she's like, yeah, customers are saying that a lot lately. And there's a fucking vibe of she feels useless and not worth it anymore. And so this perversion becomes character building, right? And in the scene where she's, my brother can channel spirits and starts beating his ass with his shirt off. uh, This pretty down and out brother, the way she says it is, I don't know if he can channel spirits, but it's our responsibility to try as people in the service industry. Right. And you're like, oh, my God, she's brutalizing her brother so she can get a Yelp star? Speaking <laughs> Like, okay. that's insane. Speaking of that scene, and tell me if I missed something, there's an audio cue when she starts beating him of a baby crying. Baby crying. Yes. There's no baby in the room, right? No. Okay. And this gets back to the there's surreal because uh knows the man with the face paint, he right. reappears in a ghostly fashion. Mm-hmm. Then there's the pooping dead waiter ghost. Yep. And <laughs> there's a lot going on in this scene, right? The moment I love is after she chases her brother out of the room whipping his ass, right? Mm-hmm. He is under what looks like a TV stand, but it makes this nice shadow in the corner. And he is hiding behind this tiny pillar. And I was I love that beat because he's just hiding like, what the fuck? And you forget because it took me a moment in the film to be like, this is a Yakuza gangster. Right. And everything in this film is so fucking scary. This crazy lactating lady and her brother are fucking terrifying to this hardcore gangster. (laughs) And it's one of those, you forget this is a Yakuza movie. Right. But that's, again, that's kind of a nice, a nice subtle way to build the terror of the film. I think it's interesting, like, McKay spends so much of his spent so much of his career like going through the annals of Yakuza and just the cr- the crime world in general. Like, I mean, probably his most famous besides auditions, Ichi the Killer. Like, and I know that's based on a manga and all that, but at the same time, like he spends so much time delving into the world of the underworld of crime and that kind of thing. It's fascinating to see him make a movie like this. And again, I, I don't think he wrote it. He didn't write it, did he? I don't no. think so. No, he didn't write it. Um, but for him to make a movie like this and then for um, for it to like almost indefinitely not be about the Yakuza at all. 
that is like almost yeah. <laughs> that, i think that's a really fascinating thing is like he uses this familiar framework for the people who watch his movies and again this is the same thing david david lynch does this too because I, I honestly i got blue velvet vibes watching this movie because the beginning of blue velvet opens sort of similarly in the sense that like we all see something very familiar to us which is main street america that is something we all know and then they get down into the dirt and you see all the you see the worms you see the grime and that kind of thing mckay does the same thing with this which is like we start at a diner and there's a power struggle oh yeah of course yakuza if you're gonna go and then you know chihuahua smashing aside like we start in the weirdest place like that woman smiling with a bloody nose in the car i have no i'm like I don't get it. I don't know what's going on. Lady on the, but it's just weird. Heading towards the river sticks. But then like, but then, well, okay. It's funny you bring that up. Cause I was just thinking about that. Cause the car after he's like, technically, I think he's, yeah, he's killed Ozaki. The car literally almost hits that. Like he has to like immediately stop the car. And because it's, there's just a, inexplicably a lake in the middle of the road. Yep. It's, I thought about that and I was like, is that, are they all dead? Is this the waiting station? Are we in purgatory? Because that was another thing now, I thought about. Yeah, and I feel like people who listen to the show are like, you always try to do this. You always try to make it. Everyone's dead, and it's a false reality. Newsflash, all movies are false realities, so it's not that out of line. <laughs> I'm not being uh, crazy. I'm not repeating the myself. Thing, the thing with this that is, I feel like his journey is a real one, right? Right. And what I think happens is, when he shows up and the body is now in glasses and this and that, mm -hmm. my theory of the film is that he has already killed his brother. Yeah. And maybe it wasn't as accidental as they show us, right? Maybe that's the false segment of the film. But he did kill his brother and he did take him to the uh, Yakuza skin suit factory. And he was made into that fucking Jaws chum bucket. I think that happened. <laughs> And I think when yes. he goes back to the restaurant, right, where there are these men repeating themselves, maybe mm -hmm. he's imagining them repeating themselves because anything they would be talking about would seem as trivial as I told him it was hot. I done told him. Woo. Right. Maybe it's all trivial. And when he thinks that, oh, someone took the body. I don't think anyone took the fucking body. I think it's gone. And there's this other weird beat where he keeps showing this fucking drawing of, hey, did this guy come in here? And it looks like my six year old's drawings. But people are like, oh, yeah, and they remember exactly who he was, right? So I think there's a bit where this is him grappling with the weight of this. And I also felt like maybe they were telling us there is a subtle, I mean, I guess not subtle at all by the end, but there was a, a physical attraction between these two men as well, possibly. The brothers? See, that's the thing. I don't know if they were actually brothers or if this was, you know, like a brother in Yakuza. Interesting. Because if you look at it from that, hmm, that's interesting. We're going to have to circle back on that. Okay, hmm. so even if it's his real brother, at the end he's still putting his dick inside. So it's weird no matter what. The physical attraction thing is still there. Yeah, there's a lot of – yeah, we need to probably just get to this. This physical attraction thing actually leads to probably one of the more, like, shocking things I've seen in a movie in a long time. Like, that is bar none one of the weirdest <laughs> – 
Not only. Oh, I mean, not. I mean, I was watching it, and this is the point when my wife decided to show up. Was when. All right, so we have. This is the thing. We can't jump too far ahead because we haven't explained who this lady is, right? right? So the lady emerges as he finds out his brother's a skin suit. She says, I'm your brother. She knows about the Franken dong. She knows about him shaving his pubes, what right. he jerked off to, these two dogs stuck together, all these things, right? She knows all these intimate, disgusting details. He starts thinking this is his brother. He believes it. At night, he pulls down the blankets and her genitals that are bulging, and I thought they were going to do like a dong reveal, are saying, gozu, gozu, and then amore, amore. <laughs> and I was like, What? is happening and you think they're gonna bang there anyways they go to the see the yakuza boss and all of a sudden the act is dropped i'm this guy's daughter right i want a job so let's start with that what the fuck happened there why drop the ruse there i could not answer the question honestly like i mean (laughs) it it happens so like for me it happens so abruptly i was like did we start another movie? Did like, yeah, I actually, I, I literally paused the movie and I was like, did it just like skip? Like I actually, cause I was watching on Tubi and they do like 30 second skips and I'm like, yes. maybe I hit the button by accident. So I skipped backwards <laughs> and watched through the whole thing again. I was like, Nope. You could I, probably feel that way a lot during this. <laughs> I, I did. But this one in particular was like, I must've hit skip by accident. And I literally mm-hmm. watched like the five previous five minutes again. I was like, no, this movie just like is, kind of restarting almost like are we now back in the crime world where things are actually happening like that was weird because that is what i thought right we're like i thought that was the first time yeah the pov had been wrestled from uh minami 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 so yeah so the pov had been wrestled back from minami and now we're watching him try to explain the movie we've been watching right to a room full of real world yakuza who are just like what the fuck is this guy talking about and it's interesting to look at her position in this because you start wondering did she ever say that shit about being his brother or did he make that up because he saw his brother as a skin suit right so it becomes this kind of fascinating bit because as he goes and rescues her from the pussy hound yakuza boss who's like i want you to do some home paper sorting right uh he says, I won't let you take brother. But this felt like, I mean, it literally is almost like Shrek, like swinging into the tower to save the princess from the dragon. The dragon just happens to have a fucking erection spoon in his ass. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Thank you. I the, also towards the beginning of the movie, they have that. He, he has the spoon in his ass. And they just like I did not notice that the first time at all. Really? They zoom no. in on it. Did they really? I just remember because he had a really hilarious. God, yeah. he was just like. So he's like <laughs> he's bang, and then they literally zoom in. They like they tilt down and zoom in on the spoon itself to the point where like the spoon is just like going, uh, you know, like oh, that's in and right. out of frame. I and that. I didn't pick up that that was a ladle. I guess I even I even wrote down actually. I was like. Is the spoon in the ass meant to be something? Because we're focusing on it pretty heavily. That's how much I was trying to do mental gymnastics as I saw a gyrating <laughs> ass spoon. And I just went, 
Not important enough. Doesn't fit into my narrative. <laughs> just trying to crank it in. We're just like, yeah, I love that scene when he hears him hanging by the hose and he's like, ah, help me. And he has to waddle over to the window with the spoon in his hands. <laughs> oh, oh, I thought that was fucking price. Also, I gotta say, him dying by falling on the spoon beautiful Chef's in kiss. the face acting of that man he's like this is my demo reel scene and went for it <laughs> and it was stunning he absolutely made the most out of his his uh his spoonful of success his, his spoonful of sugar certainly will <laughs> last the medicine spoonful did go sugar, down he went down now it's on his demo reel <laughs> that was a and a, oh my god i forgot not only did he just fall on it mystery fluid hits the ground yeah which i took as nut I my wife said no really what does amy say she thinks it was other grotesque matter i'd uh, say from that. the trauma of the impact to his she was trying to explain to me like in medical terms what's happening there and i was like i get it it's a, a spoon going in further than you want i understand yeah uh, and then she was explaining to me all the things, you know, ER people have like this running, like, Hey, what'd you pull out of someone's ass in the ER? So like, she's got a bunch of those stories. So, you know, it's a nice little conversation starter, a little romance builder. There you go. But for, for all you relationships out there on the, in the yeah. film, film alchemist universe, this is the movie yes. for you. Talk apparently. about what, you know, has been pulled out of your neighbors. <laughs> it's delightful. But, uh, then they electrocute the spoon. Perfect. Amazing. Perfect. Fucking am- that scene is fucking hilarious. It's very good. That it's- is one of those where I was like, that felt like I remember David Chase talked about that with Sopranos, how they had no idea people were gonna laugh so hard at the violence in season one of Sopranos, but for some reason it always plays so fucking funny. Yeah. Even though he's like, Yeah, this is very serious bad behavior. It does. And it altered the course of that show. That's kind of what bits of this felt like. That is why the that is why Christopher's intervention is the, one of the greatest comedy set pieces in the history of history of comedy. But <laughs> I digress. Um, yeah, it's such a weird like <laughs> leading up to the ending. It is this like I actually thought when she says I want a job, I thought this was a matter of like. Because when she, the whole time, I thought she might have, they were going to reveal, like, maybe she was, like, hiding in the back seat of that woman's car. Or she was the driver of the woman's car. And she had seen it from afar. And she was literally hanging him out to dry so she could, like, I thought there was a whole subterfuge thing maybe even going on that well, I was wondering, I was did like, not did happen. the brother, did brother become this new woman's skin suit? Mm-hmm. For like the longest revenge, because he talks to his, he talks to uh, Minami, 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 <laughs> Minami. I don't know why he keeps. I keep wanting to say Minari, because that's a famous movie. Because <sighs> it's a famous movie. I just watched and love. Minami is is peeing right, and he comes up. He's like, "You saved my life. I'd give anything for you." Blah blah blah. And he's like, "When I take out the old man, I need you to be loyal. I need you to trust me." And so in my head, I was like, "Is this the weirdest revenge plot?" since old boy that i've seen where he's like i'll become this young girl because this guy's a fucking pussy monster right right and that was oh my wife's reaction to him just like starting to lick up on that girl and like rub his hand she, uh. 
my wife had a visceral reaction to this film and it was hilarious she just kept being like what in the hell and i think she even just kept saying this is insane this is insane and i was like yeah that's true yes but um i thought i was like so did he disguise himself as the lady to then sucker this guy in and kill him but then I was like, I feel like there's easier ways to just kill the yeah, old man that I he's was, already gotten close to. I was like, was this the first time anyone the skin I lived in themselves? Like, that was like my thought. That's what I mean, though, right? Yeah. So because he was supposed to be killed. He does that. They hatch this plot together and they come back and he gets to get close to the boss and kill him. Again, the Yakuza in this movie are played as such rubes. Yeah. It doesn't feel like you would have to go to this length to kill any of them yeah they seem wildly inefficient like really bad yakuza they're not tough scary mobsters like no. yakuza in movies was always like oh fuck yeah like the yakuza they're like the fucking boogeyman down. yeah yeah not in this film at all no none not even close <laughs> like the <laughs> once the one yakuza boss showed up dressing like all white he looked like um he was like walking away from an ll cool j music video it was like he had the jacket from drive yes <laughs> he's like i'm in the jacket uh, from drive okay so let's see what do we saw okay so we gotta talk then about we're this. at the end and jesus christ dude so just Minami say is going to it seems like wants to have sex with this lady who saved who he thinks is his brother in different skin um just i'm sorry the the look of terror when he finally like enters her and feels something. Oh, well, the best part is he has the <laughs> ego, the virginal ego. Good Lord. To say, I can't go in any deeper. You'll burst. And I was like, Pah! dude, I was yeah. like, I've done the research on the internet. It's okay. <laughs> well, apparently, well, no, apparently he is one. He is a God amongst men with his like magic penis. Trust me. Once you've seen a birth, all that ego shit gets thrown. True. Out the all right. I'll give you that 100%. Yeah. You're just like, Oh yeah. Like, Ego crush forever. Do your best. Do your best. You know? <laughs> and so he says that. And then all of a sudden he's like, ah, 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 and he's stuck. And then they are crawling. And it wasn't lost on me. They were stuck together the way dogs get stuck together sometimes when they fuck. I don't know if you ever saw that. When I grew up in the country, you would see this every now and again. And they just like my grandma would be spraying the hose like, God damn it. And I'm like, I don't think that's going to help. Now they're just wet and their genitals are stuck together and they're embarrassed even further neither here nor there drags her to the other room and then, <laughs> this is the thing i don't i don't i mean i think people who have never seen this movie are gonna be like you're fucking making this up yeah so as he finally you know fucking uh, Griffey and i are in different states and watch the movie separately just so everyone knows so that we've we've seen the same thing yeah <laughs> this is not some mandela effect verify we did not make this up <laughs> so he yanks his dick back from what looks like a dick sock, right? What it is is a hand. And then the hand comes out of this oh lady's vagina. Oh, my God. Vagina. And like an all-timer shot, too. It's very much like the demon hand from, I think it's Evil Dead 2, where it yeah, rips out of the yeah, zombie yeah. corpse. Totally. But it's just shot with this little, like, low lamp, and it's so fucking... It's just one of those... It's so vulgar that it becomes almost like art. Yeah. It's such a beautiful shot of this hand reaching out of this lady. Yeah, it's like Maplethorpe made a movie. Like, it's that <laughs> insane. But yeah, it's it's just stunning. And then 
we've got some of the 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 body effects like an american werewolf thing so cool i feel like now we're just like saying what we saw as if we're confirming it more than analyzing it (laughs) i mean because that's what this fucking again like that's what this movie like there's the analysis that is available to you is like yes a man crawled out of a full-grown man crawled out yeah, of a so woman's vagina. Yeah, so then they do the Will Ferrell sketch where he's like, "Wow, it was hot in there. I'm going to a Cubs game. Loan me eight bucks. <laughs> Except it's his brother who he weekended Gozud, mm-hmm. who's back and sticky and has a lot of energy. And a lot My to favorite explain. is when his head comes out and he somehow turns all the way around and looks up over the lady's belly at her. And he's like, Arr! and he does this amazing, like, little eye flutter thing and then he just rolls over and like a fucking glow worm inches his way back out and then the movie ends with okay so then she's rotting they put her in a bathtub she's fine we see a indescribable weird close-up of three toothbrushes we do a threes company Mary Tyler Moore city shot yep and then we hard cut to the guy who served him gross food going <laughs> black. So. All right. As Here, an old timey prospector. Here's my question. What nuggets can you dig out of that? <laughs> the man, because la- I thought about this, the man laughing at the end. Yeah. Do you think the bad free food he got no, sorry. It's too weird. I can't believe I'm saying that talking about this movie, but no, it doesn't make any sense. If I say it, I can't take it back. Like I, I will say this because our friend Anthony Dyson, Dyson on uh, the Discord and all that, one of our patrons programmed this month. I will say I feel like this is the closest we've ever been to being fucking stumped. Yeah. Like just all the way stumped. I remember I had a film professor, Wes Gehring, right at Ball State, and he's oh, like, yes. my job is to train you to have enough insight into the art of filmmaking. So he tells the story of he went and saw um, 2001 with his friend when it came out. And he's like, I saw it. It was this profound religious experience. I left the theater. I couldn't wait to talk to my friend. He's like, my my friend, the dunce, just went, that was fucking weird. It <laughs> didn't want to talk about it the rest of the night. And it it so bothered him. He came on. He went on to become this Charlie Chaplin scholar <laughs> and a film professor. And he's like, I don't want you to have that reaction. I want you to really be able to tackle. And I was like, I think Gozu fucking dunce friended me. <laughs> yeah. I think Gozu is the first movie I can say I've ended. And my analytical brain was just like, I don't know what you just watched, but that was fucking weird. And that was literally. So let me backtrack a hair and see if I can tie some Let's of this try together. To do some, some of the most yeah. epic bullshitting of all time. I'm going to try. So, at the end, we see the Mary Tyler Moore shot. I think he fucks that girl, and there's some kind of role play because maybe he still is harboring the guilt of this man who definitely saw his dong, and he was flying the crotchless panties on his car. Right. And they're in, like, the Sin City 2 shot, right? Mm -hmm. That final shot, there are three toothbrushes. So, maybe she's moved in to the apartment that those two shared right. in a hidden relationship. Oh, yeah. I assumed that. And that's what they utilize. So there's not actually three there. She's replacing him, right? And so when he penetrates her, he is pulling out the guilt of his former lover who lived in that apartment with them. 
and knows that he will always carry that with him in this relationship, right? We go back to the hotel, which I don't know if the hotel is a real location, right? right. He the first time he has dinner, the the B menu. Yeah. Why are there two settings? Right? We find out later, oh, he stayed in the room right above you. What's happening in the room right above him all night? The fucking breast milk waterworks are leaking down through the light fixture into his bowl. The next morning, there is breakfast, I think made from the ingredients he had sought at the store and they confiscated. Yes. The next morning, there are three settings. I think the old lady's disgusting show to him, right? I'm not here to kink shame. That show sent him out to find this girl who he banged in his hotel, asked for two meals, got the fucking three, right? So maybe the third setting isn't there. This is, That's my theory of the film. Okay. Now, I don't know if any of that linked together, but I think the two meals and the three meals and the overnight waterworks show... I know Waterworks is technically different in sex work, water show. But I think that is where you can begin to see this relationship unfurled. And when he saves her from the Yakuza boss, he does not want to sacrifice another lover to this old man that he hates. That part I can get behind. Does any of that track? That last part makes sense. The rest of it is a little murky. The beginning I'll get with you on. Murky is pretty good for what I thought that was going to come out of. I, that's I'm going to ancient aliens you. Is it possible that anything I said made sense? Um, hang on, let me see if I can do this correctly. If you're watching on YouTube, I'm going to do... It's possible, yeah. I mean, it's possible. What the fuck was that? my as my ancient aliens <laughs> um i okay yeah. so why the food thing in the hotel because they were hinting at it was the siblings who wanted to eat well, with them but that I was don't my think thing is it anticipatory it. like maybe it's a sibling thing of like man i don't know like he's an unreliable narrator at this point of the film for sure right. I I buy what you're saying. There's there's some complications. Like I thought of it far less I thought of it far weirder. I made the assumption that I like the guilt the guilt thing factors better into what I was thinking, which is that he literally fucked his brother into this body and to bring him back to life. Wow. Which Dickcraft. Yeah, some form of dick craft, and he came back, and now they live like happily now ever Now that after. is a Harry Potter sequel I can get <laughs> Yes, Hermione and the Two Fives in Dick Craft. Um, oh, no. <laughs> Not Hermione. She's been through enough. <laughs> but that was Mrs. like... Weasley, Mrs. Weasley gets a divorce, and she goes on an Itu Mama Tambien journey with two young warlocks. <laughs> That's the movie. My thought was that because <laughs> my thought was like the sim the um, symbolism of the breast milk giving life and having the three settings like this hotel 
by some form of weird magic knows knows everything about you which is why he had the dreams which is why he met gozu like gozu perhaps himself itself is the spirit of the um hotel so my assumption was that the magic of yeah. this breast milk the magic of really anything he sees filters so heavily through him that eventually when he like decides to give in to this lust again the i wouldn't say penalty but maybe is the guilt comes back literally to haunt him i mean that's very shakespearean right that's how you he does it yeah uh there's a okay so breast milk brother getting whipped we see this kid just chugging the breast milk mm -hmm. there's a, a bottling sequence that has maybe the most cringy shot in the film which is that extreme close-up of the milk filling scene yikes uh, and she is just moaning it up. Yeah. Sprays him in the face, and then we just hard cut in the middle of information giving. Which I guess you don't know if you can assume that's true or not. Now, here's the thing. All right, so the Gozu scene is probably the last, like, really big iconic scene we haven't touched on, right? So he's trying. He thinks he may have found his brother. Mm -hmm. But not, right? So he sees in the corner this body... In these little tidy whities right? It looks almost like a preteen body. The cow head, uh, which is not a mask because the cow blinks. It has a tongue that works. Walks up, hands him a package, right? An envelope. Begins to lick him as he's kind of drooling what looks like breast milk. Right. Cut to the corner. There's the lactating lady, and it looks like her breasts are going to explode. Which is a thing that happens to pregnant women, yes. right? My wife was a, I don't know what they call it exactly, but a heavy producer, right? Like, lots. And if she did not handle it regularly, I mean, it would get rock hard like a peck. And, like, be so painful, right? She had to deal with it. Like, you couldn't just tough it out. It was that bad. Right. That looks like what's happening. And then her brother is calling her mommy and drinking the milk, which could just be a kink thing. But I felt like was talking to this stunted development thing, right? And there is a, a weird m moms being attractive, right? The first thing we do in life is suckle at what be a breast, which may influence our whole life, right? That's very Freudian. Yep. So there is this pick. Because this is the thing. If this were the shining, right? Instead of the shining, let's call it the lactating, right? The lactating. <laughs> She's, he's Danny, and the brother Shelley Duvall and the lactating mom is Nicholson, I think, right? And so Gozu then becomes Grady. I've always been here, right? Right. Okay. Maybe the cow head is because he has that massive horse dong. <laughs> and he's licking himself and saying, it's okay to embrace your kink. Be who you want to be. Maybe it's not that scary. He opens the letter the next day. And it's a letter from his brother. Hey, I'll be waiting for you at the place. Boom, he's already a meat suit. So he probably didn't write that fucking letter. Probably no one wrote that letter. Right. So did he actually see that lady, that mo that brother and sister milking each other? Is Gozu just the, the is this the, 
the bulldog blowing the manager scene in The Shining? Maybe. I I would assume no, because technically everything that happens in The Shining is real. But I, I don't know. This is such a weird movie. Like <laughs> Now, again, we're doing our best to try to get any nuggets we can. I don't know that anything I've said makes sense. And I think you could make an argument that this is kind of the point of the film, right? Is show us absurd, abstract images with your gift of natural insanity. Yeah. And then let guys like us fucking lose our minds trying to I mean, fit it all together. This is a movie built for water coolers or whatever the equivalent is in 2021 now that COVID happened. Breast milk coolers. <laughs> That lady's actually becomes the fucking giant white warlord from fucking <laughs> Mad Max Theory Road. <laughs> Morton Joe. What were you yeah, doing that's before? That's brother. He grows his hair out. He's like, I ran, a B- <laughs> I, ran a, I ran a B&B in Japan. I ran a B&B in Japan. <laughs> Shit got really out of control. I don't know what I'm doing here fighting the bullet farm. But, uh, you know, I got this tons of bee milk if you want <laughs> Beam. yeah i do it's it's fucking it was driving because i looked it up right so gozu means cowhead right there's an urban legend about gozu is that i believe if i read this right and it's kind of in there with like a a, a yokai i think they're called right like ghost spirits phantoms whatever mm-hmm. uh the gozu arrives and tells you a story so horrifying that you can't stand it. And essentially you become comatose until you die, right? You kind of shake and tremble. The fear overwhelms you for all time. Right. Now, this movie being a series of kind of horror comedy vignettes, that's such a fucking specific creature slash urban legend to put in. Because that's the thing. When I read what a Gozu was, I thought I knew the movie I was getting, right? Yes. Yakuza guy hunted down by this spirit right this killing spirit right an empty man kind of thing if you will that's not it at all so why the image of this gozu that tells you the scariest thing you've ever heard in the middle of this film with american audiences that might not mean much to us it might just be like wow weird for japanese audiences that are familiar with this story that has to be so specific what what is happening in that moment that he's confronting that is the scariest okay element? I just thought about this because I, I was also reading about what Gozu is. Um, so there's another part of the story. Now there's a like there's a couple of different cows heads myths. Um, one is Ukrainian. There's another part right. of the story though. So like there's that, and then there's um, I've re- I found it on Wikipedia, which of course is a very reputable source for material, but. Um, it's, uh, I'll just read it. It says, A Gion Matsuri folktale called Soman Shorai exists about a poor but charitable person who receives a good fortune by saving a tourist, Gozu Tenno, who was looking for a place to stay the night on his journey. Now, here's my question, and I th- just thought about this. Is the woman that he saves at the very beginning, tells to leave, is that Gozu? Why wouldn't they bring the imagery back of the nosebleed or the woman body? I mean, I have no idea. I, I would agree with that in theory, of course. Yeah. But 
I mean, I was okay. So who would be the traveler who gets a night at the Dusty Inn? Is he Gozu? I mean, and then maybe that's why the preteen body. Maybe that's when he wouldn't he had be, to try to hide his sexuality. Well, because no, he did was he save man? Gozu? And then by doing that, he has safe. He gets. I mean, I don't know. But he he's gets received a gift. He's received a when gift he's licked, from Gozu. He gets the gift, right? So. Okay, so she's the gift, right? He finds this other lover. Second chance. Right? Why does his gift ceremony have to happen by the fucking milking section? Well, to be fair, it's a Japanese horror movie. So, you know, it's just... (laughs) It's going to be a little weird. Or they like start playing. This is love. This is one of those. And it's like, this is the kind of love you will find. So tomorrow okay. at if your brother's this thread about what Gozu actually is. Yeah. Could this movie really be about second chances and about like, if you do one right thing, you might be entitled to a second chance. It might be horrific to get there and you might have to watch your brother getting born out of a woman. You just banged out. But. Could you get your second chance with someone and not betray them? Because there's that conversation in the beginning about going after the boss. So he loves his brother, betrays his brother, feels bad about it, is still able to find love and get revenge for his brother. And then Mary Tyler Moore's his way through the city. But then why is that diner ghost or diner ghoul laughing at the end? Maybe because he knows that it's the Gozu thing. Because he knows that almost 20 years later, two dipshits like us are going to be trying to make this work. (laughs) That's the most meta fuck you in movie history. (laughs) I mean, in theory, it could work as an explanation for as to what this movie is. I mean, I'm not saying it's a definitive analysis by any stretch. Yeah, I think you could apply that back. I think I'll just apply this to minute one of the pod, in fact. Um, But ultimately, I think that there is this... Gozu does afford this sort of chance at redemption, oddly. If you think of it through the lens of like the actual folktale, maybe. Or this is, to Western audiences... A, cow- a cow-headed creature telling us something we can't bear, which is weird sexuality, which is something American audiences do not do Very well. Very uncomfortable. Right? We can watch everything except for sex and women having the power to bottle their own milk and make money off of it. Like There are so many subtle cuts to the conservative American mind in this film. Right? Yeah. And that's... You know, I don't know that any of that's intentional either. I don't know how that movie plays for Japanese audience. I'm assuming it's the same kind of like, wow, that's fucked up, right? To quote my, you know, fucking professor's friend or whatever. What I think this movie gets at, though, is that like a folktale, right? There are just fucking dark magics in art and entertainment. Right. And the power of visual more than probably any other medium, when you combine sight and sound, this is one of those movies you almost feel like you're getting covered in bodily fluids. You almost feel like you can smell the movie, right? So this becomes a a total sensory assault. And if any of that has meaning, 
I can't honestly say. What I can say is it is affecting. And I don't know. I mean, we have a lot of movies that saves the cat us to death, right? And give us the hero's journey and the three-act structure and this and that. There are very few films that I just sit and I just totally submit to. And I am just actually held at fucking loaded breast point and just say, fuck, okay, I just got to make it to the end. Gozu. Gozu. All right, that's it for Gozu. Um, hopefully this was helpful. Wow. Uh, I feel like it's definitely a movie. Once you watch it, you're going to need to talk it yeah. out. Guys, it's on um, Tubi right now. Yeah, we're all as lost as everyone else, but I think sometimes getting lost is half half of the fun, right? Enjoy yeah. the journey. Don't worry about the, the man laughing at the destination. Uh, enjoy the journey. All right. So next up on our trip to early 2000 Japan's is Brother. So we'll be doing Brother. Um, so that'll be coming up soon. Guys, please go to Patreon. Join us. Uh, your contributions help us out a ton. So that's patreon.com slash Pod. Make sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel, Film Alchemist. Make sure to leave us a rating and view wherever you find us. Quick five-star, quick sentence or two while you like the show. Helps us defeat the algorithmic gozus uh, that, that oppress us. Help us get our second chance, guys. Email the show, filmalchemistpod at gmail.com. Find us on all the socials you're on. More than anything, thank you, especially tonight, wow. for spending your time thank with you us. Thank you so much. For the Film Alchemist, I'm Josh Griffey. I am Alex Dandino. 